Welcome to Cleveland's newest and Cleveland's best sports podcast. This is Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Let's go. All right, welcome to another edition of Two Guys in a Mic. This is our post-Cleveland Browns game edition. I'm one of your hosts, Big Sean. And I'm your other host, RP. It's uh, outstanding to be with you guys on this uh, Victory Thursday post-game uh, show. One more time. Um, <clears throat> it seems like we do pretty good on Thursdays, traditionally. We, we I think we got a, a pretty solid record on Thursday uh, night games. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had our share of disappointments on national TV, but Thursday nights seem to be pretty uh, – pretty fair to us um, Most definitely. so last night wasn't much different uh last night was kind of crazy how where did you go anywhere to watch the game did you go to no 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 not at all man i got you off work and kind of chill cook something to eat and um i just kind of isolated myself yesterday because i told you i wanted to be really focused on a lot of the subtleties of the game you know we'll get into that you know, right. later. So right. I kind of like hold up in my room last night. Right. And, uh, and, watch the- and I, I honestly had a similar uh, plan, but uh, LeBro came in town and hit me up like, yo, I got I got a ticket, man. You want to you want to hit the game up? And I'm like, uh, OK. <laughs> like, it, right. I'm sure, I'm sure I didn't take much convincing. Yeah. Easily swayed, bro. Easily right. swayed. So, uh so dig it. I so I went out to uh hang out with my fraternity brothers. Shout out to the brothers of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Um we went out for like a pregame. We started at around about three o'clock and we were just, you know, eating wings, having drinks, whatever. Nothing real crazy, but just some hangout time. Uh and that's when my brother called me and was like, yo, I got a ticket for you. We want to go to the game. Sure. So I had to go home. I had to pick my brother up. Real short story, y'all. <laughs> I mean, I had to go home, pick my son up, rather, from um, boxing. So I pick him up. I make uh, stop at the store, get some uh, something for the for the kids to eat for dinner, make plates. I'm like, I'm going to catch an Uber. I'm not driving downtown. It was already like 6.30, quarter to 7. So I'm like, man, I'm not trying to drive downtown in that madness. And I'm not trying to park on... Uh, you know, East uh, 40th, (laughs) (laughs) right, all the way down. I said, no, not at night. I ain't trying to do all that. I'm just going to catch an Uber. So I called the Uber down. The Uber, of course, was kind of slow because by the time we got downtown, it was like an hour before the game. So now they've cut off East 9th, West 3rd. We had to go all the way to West Side, come back, get to the game, hang out, have a good time. Game's over. Now, it didn't rain at all. It was no moisture at all during the game, which was nice. Lead the game. So I'm with my brother and like five or four other uh, folks. We all kind of get separated. So my thought is, oh, well, I'm just going to go back over to my brother's club because that's where my assumption is that they're going to all like meet up to decide what they're going to do, go home or uh, hang out or whatever, whatever. So I go back over to the club 
And I go hang out over there for like 10 minutes. I grab a bottle of water, smash the water, and I'm just kind of standing there like, where are these dudes at? Because I was ahead of them uh, in, in the walk. So I'm like, it shouldn't take 20 minutes for these guys to get over here. So I ended up leaving because I was a little bit agitated. I was tired and I was ready to get to the house. So I leave and I hit my little app and I, uh, for, for Uber because I'm like, I don't think I'm going to hang out tonight. I, I'm ready to go home. I told my wife I was coming home anyway. So I didn't want to go see if they were somewhere else. I just wanted to go home because I didn't even want it to seem like I was hanging out. I opened up the Uber app, bro. Uh, the first price that I got for a regular Uber was like $78. I said, <laughs> look, I said, I said, nah. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, that's not happening. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going home for $78. So I called my brother to see where he was, you know, and he didn't answer. So I'm like, damn. So I called his boy. He didn't answer. I'm like, damn. I started to go to another club, but man, the line to get into that club was long. I heard they was trying to charge 30 bucks to get in. I'm like, man, I'm not paying no $30 to get in to figure out where they at. I'm just going, I'm going to catch one of these scooters on the little uh, sidewalk scooters. And I was like, I'm just going to try to get outside of the activity. Bro, I rode up to like 12th Street. All the bars are closed too, by the way. Only thing that are open at this point is like nightclubs. So okay. you, you can't like go into a Southern Tier and like sit down, pull up while I wait for my Uber and, and drink a beer. Not everything is shut down. It's like 11.30, quarter to 12. I get up to Southern Tier on East 12. I look at the Uber app, it's down to 65. I said, I ain't go far enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I get back on the scooter, man. Now, now at this point, it's full-fledged raining. It's not misting. It's full-fledged raining. So I'm getting hit. It's kind of chilly. It's windy. I had on a, a you know a, a cotton uh, sweat uh, sweat jacket. So I'm I'm starting to get soppy. Right. I get up to like East 30th, bro. I look at the Uber app. It says $62. I ain't go far enough. <laughs> I, I I keep going. I'm like, I'll probably go up to like 55th. I went up to 40th when I realized that 40th, my phone was dying. Like it was on 3%. So I'm like, son of a, like, I never even looked at how much I had on my phone. So right. I'm, I'm like, I'm going all the way up to 55th. I got to make it up to 55th. I get up to 55th. It's like $53 for the Uber. I got 3% on my phone. I was like, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> screw it. I'm just going to go ahead, catch this Uber. And I hit the Uber thing, sent the message, and I said, yo, I don't know, because it said he was 23 minutes away. I just sent him a message, yo, my phone is dying, uh, but I'll be right here. And I hit send, and my phone shut off. <laughs> He's like, you have no idea so I had, yeah, if this guy's coming or not. Yeah, like I had no idea if he got that. I didn't know if he was coming. Like if he saw that, I was like, man, I'm not coming to 55th and, and St. Clair for somebody I don't know if going to be there. 
right? I, I had no idea, but I, I stood there and I waited. And when I saw that damn truck pull up, it was like, it was the biggest life raft I've ever received. <laughs> I oh, talked to him. I said, "Man, I, I, if if I knew you better, bro, I'd give you a hug and a kiss." He said, right. I'm <laughs> contemplating if this dude don't come, and I'm at 50 fifth. What am I gonna do? Like, right. what am, nobody's answering their phones. Nobody, and now my phone is dead. Like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Man, that is hilarious. That is but I'm glad you got home safely, though. That's I the, got home safe. That's the main I thing. Down, I got home at a decent time. Well, you know, decent after having to wait for 25 minutes for right. Uh, you're over at it was. I probably got home about 12:45, one o'clock ish, which isn't awful for what I ended up having to do to get, you know, to get to the house because I was gonna have to wait a half hour ish, 25 minutes for for a ride. But okay, story time's over, y'all. Let's let's get into because uh, <laughs> that story would have been a uh, hundred times worse if we would have lost. Last oh night. man, <clears throat> I couldn't imagine. Yeah, that story would have been a hundred times worse. But I couldn't imagine. Get to the game a little bit. So yesterday, uh, as we know, we saying yesterday because it was a Thursday night game. Here we are, uh, you know, the day after the Browns and the Broncos met on Thursday night football. The Browns uh, won this game, seventeen to fourteen, which is the exact score that Sean called. Uh, only one point off from what my score was, which was 17-13. So we both pretty much nailed what we expected the game in terms of scoring. We didn't expect a whole lot of scoring. We didn't expect uh, you know these two teams to all of a sudden become high-power scoring teams. Um, it's a lot of injuries. It's a lot of talent deficiencies on the, on the Broncos' side. But for us, it's a lot of injuries. It's, it's a lot of people not there. A lot of things that make what we do click uh, just wasn't there uh, for that game to be a high-scoring game. However, we we still probably could have scored about 20 points, uh, 20 to 24 points had things gone slightly right. different. So um, I was pleased uh, pretty much on the, on the outside of everything that happened before we, like, totally dissect the game or whatever. Um, but I was pleased with what I saw. I was pleased with the effort that I saw. Um, and of course, I was pleased with the dub. How about you, bro? Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Um, you know, I don't want to dwell on anything, you know, negative at all with this game because just because of the circumstances we were going into the game, um, the fact that we came away with a W um, under those circumstances was good enough for me. Um, they found a way to scrap it out, pull it out. And, you know, I am co was completely ecstatic um, that we won that game, man, because uh, that was a big win. You know, some people can just say, well, it was just Denver. You know, they're not a good team, but, you know, we're going in wounded, like severely wounded, and still have some some, some other players get hurt again during the game. Yeah. So, matter of fact, we had one get hurt, hurt doing warm-ups. Yeah, uh, down in Peoples Jones, and right. then uh, Denzel Ward, you know, left. I think like in the third quarter or something like that. Right. So you lost another player. Um, so despite all of that, all the adversity, all the, uh, you know, um, negativity, you know, in the media from the fans, you know, all week, you know, they, um, 
came together as a team, as a unit. And that was a, truly a, a team victory yesterday. So um, I'm 100% pleased with everything that went that happened yesterday. Absolutely. I 1,000% agree. Uh, it was a it was a tough game. Like you said, I think the Browns uh, showed a lot of, of – I hate, you know, I hate cliche stuff. But, I mean, literally, this was just one of those gritty games <clears throat> where you don't have everything, you know, totally in your favor, short of just having home field advantage, you know what I mean? And you go into the game, you just, you just need everybody to show up, no matter – what and this is kind of what we were discussing last week the whole no excuses it don't matter right exactly yeah the Browns would have lost the game yesterday I wouldn't have made that one excuse at all because they weren't like I was like they had to yeah like we were saying in our um midweek show like they had to win that game period it wasn't no if and you know nothing like they had to figure out a way to win that game Something I wanted to ask you real quick, you know, talking about home field advantage. Sometimes it's kind of hard to tell on television, but how was the crowd? How was the the atmosphere oh, down the stadium yesterday? Truthfully, it was really good. Like, um, it was a typical, it wasn't as raucous, I don't think, uh, mostly because it's a late game. So, a lot, you know, you got to think, a lot of people had to go to work that right. day, if not go to work tomorrow. So, you miss kind of a lot of the uh, the inebriated emotions that come out in, in some of those games. Uh, and, I, and I know that, you know, that's probably not the best way that you want your emotions to come out. But, bro, come on. On, on a football Sunday at a 1 o'clock game, man, all these cats are tanked and been drinking since 5.30 in the morning. However, <laughs> in true uh, Cleveland Browns form, when I drove past the Muni lot at uh, 11, it was about, a, about 10, 30, 11 in the morning, there were already trucks parked in the Muni lot. So, uh, again, kudos and shouts out to, uh, you know, the Dog Pound Nation. We always show up. We're always hard as hell. Uh, I ran into some Denver uh, guys that were going to the game, and they were just like, they, they travel. I guess they're a part of the uh, their traveling Mm-hmm. And they were like, man, everywhere we've been, everybody's been been cool, but I've never seen a weekday game where guys are this pumped up for a game. Like he said, I got up this morning to go just grab a cup of coffee and everybody had on Brown Street. Like the whole hotel staff and like you go outside, you just see Brown. You're like, dang, the game ain't until 12 hours from now, but these dudes are all right. everybody's already ready. He said it's rare to see that kind of stuff, and he he was just pretty impressed with that. So, um, and I'll be honest, I saw a lot of Broncos fans. So, I, you know what? As a just as a fan in general, I had to tip my cap to them cats. That's a long journey uh, to see a team that's not even you know that good. Yeah, the Broncos have a have a really really good fan base. They've always yeah. I remember even back in the day at the old Mile High Stadium, man, that was one of the hardest stadiums to go play in. It gets so loud, like the TV cameras would shake. I mean, it was yeah. loud. You had, to, you had the thin air you had to deal with, you know. Yeah. Um, so they've always had a good uh, a good football fan base, at least. So um, I think I think we were we were good enough. And uh, especially like, you know, third downs come. 
and, and everybody was 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 pretty cranked up. You know, uh, they were rooting for Case. They, you know, you didn't hear the the uh, kind of you know how sometimes we are here in Cleveland. Oh, I don't want to see this dude. He's gonna suck, and we are already kind of against anything that this dude does. I didn't hear that anywhere where I was. Um, and I, I was pretty pleased with that. I know when OBJ dropped a couple passes, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later too, but he dropped a couple passes. So when he finally caught one, the first one he caught, the crowd didn't like get after him. They were legitimately cheering like, yeah, come on, bro, catch the ball. And then he caught one on the very next play, and they went even more kind of crazy, and they actually started chanting OBJ, OBJ. So it was – the crowd was in it. We were in it the entire time. Um, and I don't know that it always translates on television. We actually got a pretty loud crowd, man. And you know that because you go to a lot of games. And we actually have a pretty – Yeah, that, that stadium is actually built to be loud. The problem was – um with this new iteration of the browns we would always do something to take the crowd out of the game at Early. some point and then it got Early. to a point where our <laughs> fans especially because you've got a new generation of fans coming in they really didn't know when to cheer at times and, and that makes sense you know what i'm saying like 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 they was never like like when when we were on defense there was never a sustained noise level to distract the other team and it's still and it's still like that now like so like we'll first we'll get loud but then if the other team gets a first down real quick or makes a big play everybody kind of just like oh like the whole energy will just go out for a second until a third down comes up or something else comes up so i think you know we still kind of have that mentality we wait for something bad to happen it's getting better um, it's not like how it was at the old stadium. Not at It'll all. Never be that. I don't. But, well, me, I, I will say, begrudgingly, I'll say it'll never get that way. I would love to think that something would happen to allow it to get back that way, and maybe something will happen. I think it will. I think I until think. we get into like a championship game, uh, if we get into a Super Bowl, get a, get a home playoff would, game or something like that. Yeah, like I think that would change, you know, maybe how how you know the crowd responds. Maybe, maybe. Because now, again, I think uh, it's it's now, more now, now, now with Pittsburgh coming in town next week, um, they're gonna be the stadium is gonna be juiced like big time well, in the beginning be of the game. It has to yeah. be juiced because we already know we're gonna be bombarded. Uh, with a bunch of uh, jackasses from Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, because it's a short trip, we're talking about an hour and a half to two hours of a drive, depending on how bad or, you know, how not bad the traffic is uh, coming, you know, on the, on the little turnpike there. And if they, uh, if they make the trip, again, it's a short trip. They don't even have to get hotels and stuff. They can just drive up and go home afterwards. Hell, you and I uh, <laughs> drove to Baltimore and came home after the game. So yeah, we you know, sure they, did. Can that, yeah. they can make that little short trip. And right. it's going to be a lot of them there. So it's it's almost, you already know, it's a border war. It's already going to be that territorial thing. So we got to show up. 
uh, on the fan side of that, which I ain't worried about. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be a little bit juiced up, and that's expected for a divisional rival, a, a historical rival, uh, and you know Pittsburgh is always showing up, and they're always gonna talk crap. So it's gonna be one of those contentious fan uh, games. It'll probably at least be two or three or seventeen fights. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh yeah, you know what's coming. But uh, let's uh, let's start to kind of dissect the game a little bit. So, first of all, based on the stuff that I talked about last week or the things that I had issues with in this uh, very, very short week, um, I want to just start with Kevin Stefanski. So, like we said, it was a tough game. It was a very tough uh, – first of all, it was tough because it was a short turnaround. And – then it was made even tougher with all of the injuries that we sustained on Sunday uh, and actually weeks prior to that. So coming into this game, we all felt like we were even more shorthanded. So to have your team uh, completely ready, uh, to have your team ready, you know, like they were ready to go from the, from the snap of the ball. They didn't wait to get into And I think it just kind of proves what I said before. I believe that Kevin Stefanski is really, really good at uh, scripting plays. I think that's a strong suit for him. I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care who the running back is. I don't care who your right tackles are. I really criticized him hard last week for running seven out of the ten first plays against a team that gives up uh, five yards per carry to the, to the uh, opposing offense. He went into this game like, well, what we do well is run the damn ball. We're just going to run the ball. And he kind of came out with that attitude. And nothing happened in the game that made him waver from that, especially in his scripted plays. You saw in the scripted plays his mindset. And I think that helped Case. I think that helped uh, Dearness. I think that helped the tackles. It doesn't mean that it was a perfect game because it was not. However, it put everybody in a comfortable spot to start that game out. And that's something that we did not do against the Cardinals is start the game out in a comfortable uh, uh, situation. We were uncomfortable from the moment, almost from the kickoff. We were just in uncomfortable situations. Um, there were some bad calls still by the refs, but they weren't the terrible calls that we saw uh, last Sunday. Right. Well, uh, I think Stefanski, uh, he redeemed himself this week. I think he redeemed himself, and it says something about how well the team played, how gritty these guys played uh, going forward. Uh, you, you know, go yeah, ahead. He, he finally, he finally showed some flexibility. Um, he did exactly what we said we wanted him to do for the most part. And that will simplify the game plan, protect your quarterback, keep everything simple, run the football. Um, and that's why I remember you said that you were kind of concerned about Dearness Johnson starting. And I wasn't so much because, you know, we saw him last year when he had to step in, you know, against Dallas and a couple of other games. And he, he, he acquitted himself well. So I kind of figured, you know, I didn't think he was going to get 144 yards, 146 yards. Nobody. But I did. thought he'll get like maybe. I, I thought he'd get it maybe like a tough ninety, you know, 
tough 95, read it out, and uh, and that would be good enough. You know, a combination with him, you know, Demetrius Felton get his carries. I didn't know they were going to call up uh, Kelly. Um, but I thought, man, maybe with a combined effort, we'd probably get 100, 120 yards rushing, which I thought would have been fine, you know, good enough to win a football game. Um, but the thing I like the most, too, is that, um, like you said, he did not deviate from what his game plan was, that we're going to run the football and we're going to stick with that. And even when we passed, um, he made sure they were quick passes, right. um, screens, stuff to get the ball out of Case Keenum's hands so he didn't think too much. Um, they said didn't try to do anything crazy. Um, you know, he knew who the opponent was. You know, we're going to be going to do this, that, and the third, and we're going to stick with it and pulled out a win. Now, now, we did have times where we got a little bit of a lull, you know, but at no time did I really feel, even when Denver had those two long drives, I really didn't get to, you know, feel that uh, threatened by them at all. Like, we're going to lose that game. And the thing that I was impressed with, like, the most is when Denver scored late, they scored what, with about five minutes left to cut it to three. And we just shoved it right back down their throats and ran the clock out. Now we hadn't done that in in, in a while. It's been and it a was good time. to see, like we just want to impose our will and and go ahead and close this thing out, man. And even like on that last third and eight, Denver know we're running the ball. They stacked the box, and you still get what nine yards, yep. nine ten. Yep, and close the game out, man. It was a thing of beauty. And that's, I mean, like to me, if if the running game is gonna be our strength. And we all know that the running game is our strength. One of the things that makes the great teams great, one of the things that makes Michael Jordan great, one of the things that made the old school Browns great, you could, hey, listen, we about to hand it off to Jim Brown, man. I don't know if y'all know that. Oh, maybe y'all do. I don't, it, it doesn't matter. I'm handing it off to him. I'm, you know, Larry Bird telling people, I'm going to shoot it right here. I'm going to catch it here and I'm going to shoot it here. Michael Jordan, I'm a shooter here. I'm about to do, you know what I'm about to do, but you still get it done. No matter that the 20,000 people in the building know that you're getting ready to do it, including the uh, 12 people that are on the other side. Right. It's the same thing. You have to impose your will. You have to be that team because that's who you are, right? If that's who you are, just be who you are and force And the people. thing is, and, 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 and here's the thing that I hope that he does going forward. Yes, we are a running football team, right? Mm -hmm. But we're not a running football team like in the vein of like Tennessee where right. all you're going to do is run your running back True. 50 times. Like we have enough versatility that we can focus on a run, but we can mix it up too. And, and that's where we can really, really, really start taking advantage a defensive if you just stick to that script because now because what you want to do is just keep keep the defenses like really really off balance so, so you know we come with that run game now if we stick with that now the play action starts to work again because if you remember um i think it was baker's first year um even last year when we were focused run heavy Man, that play action and that bootleg rollout was working to perfection. It was. I mean, you, you had guys running wide open, you know, up yeah. and down the field. Now, when we've kind of not gotten away from the running game, but, you know, Stefanski, he just likes to pass the ball. That's his thing. So when you get away from 
that run first mentality, I think the defenses are adjusting and a lot of those plays now because they know, you know, they got film on us and things like that. Now they're defending those rollouts and defending those, uh, you know, play action passes, you know, a lot better. But if we go back to what we were doing, run, run, run heavy, those plays are going to start to open up again because now you, you got to bring guys out of the box. And we have enough horses. And you got basically four guys that can run the football effectively. No team can say that. No team in the NFL can say that. Nope. No. Nope. Um, and, and, and that says something, again, about the front office and the talent pool that they've collected. Um, it says a lot about this. It's a lot of stuff that we, you know, it's not perfect with the Browns. I, I'm starting to question the strength and conditioning coach at, at this point. Like, I, all these damn injuries. So, you know, it's a but couple that's everybody, things. though, man. Every, every team in the NFL is getting hit hard. It's just a, you know, yeah. it's a couple things that I'm concerned about. However, however, having, having, you know, I know you said you didn't want to talk about anything negative, but what I mean, like every week we got somebody going down. So I just wanted to point that out a little bit. However, no, that's cool. That's 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 however, not, that's not necessarily negative. I'm, I'm talking about negative in terms of that's fair. That's just fair in the yeah. That's 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 just a part of the game. You know, like, that's man, not negative. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have injuries. Everybody's every team is gonna have injuries, but it just seems like every week, literally since Sean said. We had guys dropping like flies like two weeks ago. We've mm-hmm. literally had guys dropping like flies every week. Like we've had a, like a string of two or three or four players that you like. Damn. I think, in my, in my opinion, this is a product of them uh, pulling back practices that's and CBA. less contact in the offseason. That's that CBA. Yeah. Um, I remember some of the veterans, like old school guys that retired, like Marcus Allen and some other guys were coming out when they started doing that. So that's going to hurt the players because you can't um, you can't go half speed all in the offseason. Right. You, you don't have two a days no more. When you do have training camp, you only have contact a certain amount of days, certain amount of practices. You don't play your starters in preseason anymore. And then all of a sudden. Now, 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 when the bullets start firing, you're going full speed, full contact. You're not giving your body enough time to acclimate to get used to the contact. And I'm not saying this because I'm an expert in it. I'm just going by what, um, you know, a former yeah, NFL yeah, player yeah, yeah, about Because about they're, yeah. I, I tend to think that they're experts, the guys that have done this right. before. Uh, I, I actually, last night, I, I ran into um, Eric Metcalf and, and Kevin Mack. And okay. I didn't have my phone on because I had taken my jacket off and my phone was in my jacket. I was so angry with myself because I wanted to take a picture with them or, you know, kind of record what we were talking about. But when I saw them, I, I was talking to them about that. I asked them. And Eric, Eric Metcalf said, he said, man, I I never got hurt because of a lack of practice. I, <laughs> he's like, I got hurt from running track plays when I said that. <laughs> 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 that shit was, I was like, that was the funniest thing I heard all night. Kevin Mack, on the other hand, was like, I got hurt from hitting other people. You know, he's like, I never got hurt from 
from any of that stuff. I he felt like because I asked him, I said, man, y'all both one of the two of the best running backs that we've had outside of Jim Brown and Ernest Biner and Leroy Kelly. Like y'all are right underneath all of those guys for in our minds because we grew up with you guys, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a tough, I saw them right before the game. I'm like, yo, we had a tough, you know, week. We don't have our top guys, what y'all think? And and what do y'all what do y'all think about guys, these guys getting hurt like this? They both got the exact same injury, like a calf injury. They were like, it's tough, blah, blah, blah. And they just kind of went into talking about those things. So I thought that was pretty dope. Like I to have a moment. And it was impromptu as heck. I was going to the bathroom. I held it to, to, to grab them real right. quick. Right, right, right. You know, and, and I'm like, man, this is my favorite. Eric Metcalf is my favorite all-time Cleveland Brown. So I had to spend a minute, you know, chopping it up with him. Uh, but um, digging a little deeper into the game, I know I, I kind of was kind of poking uh, the bear couple weeks ago talking about Case Keenum um, starting instead of Baker and Case Keenum, you know, being able to do as good as Baker was doing. Uh, the truth, the truth is, if again, if you look at the numbers, they were very similar. I think Baker's numbers weren't like overwhelming. And I think, and I thought that maybe Case, uh, Case, Case could do similar stuff just to keep the game uh, you know, fair. Mm-hmm. He knows this offense so well. Not because he's got the talent that Baker has. And that's where I was kind of, you know, joshing with you. Um, so having him come into the game last night, I actually had a lot of faith in, in what he could do. I did not know that he didn't have uh, first-team reps this week. Right. I didn't know that he didn't. So to see how he played, he got the ball out of his hands super quick, especially early. Like early on, this dude was like literally almost pulling the ball out of uh, out from Treader and already getting ready to fire it. He was he was really fast, and I don't know if it showed on on uh, you know TV, but in, I was like, damn, he's getting the ball oh, out yeah. of hell. He wasn't waiting. You know, Baker, sometimes he tends to hold the, the ball. And I think he holds it more when he feels uncomfortable. I think when he feels... That or, or that or he wants to try to go downfield. Well, that too. Yeah. Um, and, there's, and listen, people, there's some distinct differences between Case Cam and Baker Mayfield. First of all, Baker Mayfield is more talented, period. Secondly... That win, of course, always, per usual, was whipping through uh, the stadium. And that pass that case through to a wide open OBJ that fell like five yards short. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was because of the win totally. It was yeah, because, there, you know, there, there's definitely a difference in yeah. arm talent. Yeah, it's there's a there's definitely difference in arm talent. It's a total difference. It's like it's like night and day. Like you could tell, Case has more placement, and he has to. Case has more uh, uh, accuracy, probably where guys want to catch it. But that's because I don't think he has the zip that 
he don't have a fastball that 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 uh, Baker has. Baker's got a heck of a lot more um, arm strength. The problem is that Baker's hurt, and we may not see Baker, and we'll talk about that in a little while for a couple weeks. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But back to Case. Case did everything that you wanted him to do as a backup, playing a game that your team needed to win. He didn't turn the ball over. Right. Uh, he really didn't look pressed, even after he got pressured, even after he oh, got he a couple times. Um, and like I said, he could have thrown two touchdowns at least, maybe three. And he got pressured on the one because Juice was wide open. And he got sacked, uh, he got knocked down or whatever. But he did. Yeah, there, there were a couple of plays where um, uh, Troy Aikman had noted that he missed a receiver. Like, he missed a couple of reads. But that's just football. Like, I think sometimes we, we harp on that. Like, how did he miss that guy? And I said, oh, it just happens. Like I said, I'll, I'll always go back to the equivalent. When, like, when you're playing Madden, I know that's a, that's, it's a horrible analogy. But like we said, when somebody else is watching you play Madden, they're like, well, boy, you know, you didn't see that guy, but you're looking at a million different things. Yeah, so you're looking at the, at, at, the, at the pass rush, looking at the safety, you're looking at all of that. But by, but the person that's behind you looking at it, he's a feel that pressure. He just so he's just scanning the field. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes a quarterback is gonna miss a read from time to time, and you know, it happens to, to all of them. So, but again, you also got to remember, we're talking about. Uh, a quarterback in Troy Aikman who didn't miss uh, a lot of of, uh, of of reps, first team reps. Case Keenum didn't get any first team reps this week uh, leading up to this game. So this dude just coming, he basically was coming in raw to this game. Yeah. And trying to figure out the uh, you know, the rhythms of, of, of his guys. You know, thankfully he had Juice out there. Thankfully he had uh, OBJ out there. Uh, thankfully, you know, he had Njoku. Like he was hitting, he spread the ball around. He did everything that you wanted him to do for a person, for a player who did not have the chemistry or the, or the, or the rhythm with these guys because he didn't get a chance. I know he has some with them because I know he's gotten some first-team reps. I know he's thrown a couple passes or two with some of these guys. But that's the thing that I was speaking on before. He knows this offense so well. He just knows where bodies are supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, he knows if I do boom, 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 these things will just work. And he trusts the system. And you could tell, you could see it. You could see that that was uh, a plus for us. And if he doesn't, uh, Baker, that is, if, if Baker doesn't start or isn't capable of starting on uh, in 10 days against the, uh, the Steelers, you know, I think we'll be okay enough, at least at quarterback, to, you know, go into that game especially with somebody who will get opportunities to throw and, and figure out what the first team guys are capable of. And hopefully prayerfully we'll get uh, maybe Nick Chubb back possibly, which is why I'm not against him having sat out this game. Uh, I'm not against uh, Jedrick Wills having sat out this game. 
I, I wasn't against uh, Jack Conklin sitting out there. Like, you know what I mean? Give these guys some time and some rest to get them prepared for the meet because we're getting ready to go into some more meet. We got okay. Pittsburgh and we have uh, Cincinnati. So we're going to need those guys for those games. And if we want to compete within this uh, AFC North, we're going to have to show up and we're going to have to be healthy on some level. So, uh, again, Case Keenum, I think, played uh, very, very well or well enough. As I told one of my boys on Facebook, he was kind of, I guess somebody had told him something about, similar to what I was messing with you about with him being as good as Baker or potentially replacing Baker. I said, listen, man, he won the game. He did what he needed to do to win the game. He looked like a competent backup. That's it. Well, he's doing what, what they paying him $6 million a year to do. Exactly. Because um, we pretty much probably have, if not the best backup quarterback in the league, one of the best backup quarterbacks Absolutely. in the league. You know, and that's what he was, that's what he was brought in for. We knew, you know, Baker, um, to his credit, has been pretty durable up until this point in time. He had, what, something like 54, 55 Straight uh, starts or something like, like that, man. Which is yeah, which is which is excellent. But you knew at some point in time, you know, he was gonna miss a couple of ball games. And this is what we were saying, I think at the beginning of the season. If Baker goes down for whatever reason, Case Keenan was good enough to hold it down, you know, for two or three ball games. Yeah. So now um we're about to find out. Um, because I doubt if Baker comes back, is because now it's been good if he has a, a fracture right in his shoulder. So right. um, I was listening to, I think it was Rizzo this morning on, on KNR, and they had a doctor on. And the doc, this doc, this doctor used to be a, a, you know, a team doctor with the Chargers or something like that. And basically, in a nutshell, this doctor said that Baker can play with that injury. Um, but, you know, he was like, but probably – you know, the Browns may, you know, keep them out for like another week, uh, especially because you got a long, you know, 10 days for the next game. So they might held him out. And so just to give him that little bit of time, just to get comfortable, he said it's not going to, the labrum is not going to heal, of course. But he said the fracture, the type of fracture he has, he said something, he used to talk a medical term, where basically over a couple of weeks, something to happen where it'll be stable. And, you know, and that, and that he can play as long as he's comfortable with that harness. And he says, as long as he doesn't, like, overextend his arm, his left arm again, and do something crazy, he was like, he can yeah. he can play with that. But I think the yeah. Browns are, gonna, oh, are going to edge on the side of caution and not throw him out there against Pittsburgh and uh, then see if he's ready for Cincinnati. So, Case, um, you know, he's going to get another opportunity. And hopefully, you know, if we get Chubb back, um, you know, do do Pittsburgh is terrible against the run. And I, I know we're gonna get into that maybe in our midweek show, but just keep everything again, like Stefanski, keep it simple. Uh, one thing too about Stefanski, now I've come to the conclusion if the Browns are in the red zone, unless it's a game winning situation, they're not kicking a field goal down there on fourth down. They just not. They just not, unless it's a game winning situation. He's not kicking a field goal in the red zone. I've given up. I know, I know everybody was chanting the stand yesterday, kicking well, the field goal. It's not happening. 
it's not it's just it's just not gonna happen but listen so, let's let's be fair at least somewhat fair he went for two field goals where he normally would go uh for it on fourth down the, the 52 yard uh field goal my man kicked let me tell you something about that kick i first of all i didn't think he was gonna send that guy out there I literally was, and again, people who don't know when you're at the game, you get no information. Like you're just watching. No. The game. So you don't get a chance to hear from, as Sean was saying earlier, from Troy Aikman saying, oh, uh, I think they're considering it, blah, blah, blah. Because you can't really see the interaction that he might be having with the people upstairs. You know, it's, it's the media doesn't really good job and the color guys do a really good job I'm not talking about black people I'm talking about the color commentate um, the, <laughs> <laughs> the color guys do a really good job of painting certain pictures to even if that's not what's happening on the screen if you see the coach like this you're thinking to yourself oh he's thinking about going for it or whatever, you know? So you don't get a chance to see that whatever's happening. I just saw Chase McLaughlin come onto the field. And I said, man, there ain't no way he about to go for this. They're going to try to get these dudes offside, call a timeout, and then they're going to go for it on fourth down. Because I think it was like a fourth and five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't remember. So when he sent dude out, I looked at my brother, I go, because we were kind of in the corner. So the dog kind of sitting here, and we were like right at the corner of that end zone. So, and that's the way he was kicking. So I said, hey, listen. Uh, Donnie's other friend was sitting on this side of me, and she was like, uh, those things, those flags are flapping like this. I said, no, nah, that's not the flag you need to look at. I said, look down that line, there's Dawson's flag and there's the American flag. So the American flag was kind of waving like this, like side to side, mm -hmm. and Dawson's flag was going that way. So I said, I said, man, I don't know why on earth they're kicking this, because this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> ain't no way he's going to make it. Listen to me. That dude would have made it from 60 yards. He right. It was right down the middle. And he would have made it from 60 yards, man. Like, he nailed that thing. He nailed that thing. I was like, wow. As soon as he kicked it, because, you know, we can't see down the middle. But I'm, like, looking. Right. I'm like, that looks like it's still it's still on the same line. It's still on the same line. And I just looked down at the referees, and they were like, and where it hit, it hit high. Like, that dude kicked the crap out that ball. And... I said to myself, I said, okay, my man got some faith in the damn field goal kicker. The next time he kicked the field goal and he got it blocked, I said, well, there goes that. He ain't never kicking it again. <laughs> <laughs> he and I had put my head down. <laughs> I had put my head down for a second. So, and I missed the block. So whose fault was it? Was it the holder or was it this, or was the offensive line? It was, yeah, it was the offensive line's fault. It was, I mean, they just okay. like, I won't say that they let the dude through. Of course, nobody lets him through, but he pretty much just walked in, uh, missed assignment. Um, real quick, 
Houston Astros with their cheating asses are going back to the World Series. I, I was just about to say that. The cheating Astros on their way back to the World Series. They listen, I'll tell you what, I don't know if it's cheating or not, but uh is this the Lizards' first time being in the World Series? No, the Lizards been there with Frisco before oh, San Francisco, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. he's been there with no, they they got him out of Washington. I said that the Washington team that won the World Series was his team. He should have been the one that took them there. Okay. But they yeah, got yeah. rid of him and then they, you know, they won the next year after they got rid of him. Um, yeah, Dusty. Dusty going back, man. I hope he wins. I just want to know why he got those damn back gloves on. Hey, right, what's wrong with your hands? <laughs> <laughs> Dusty a weird dude, man. I like, I love Dusty, but he's a weird dude, man. Most baseball players are, and, yeah. and and you have to be somewhat weird to play. That's a long. I mean, think about it. Uh, long season, bro. That's a, uh, it's a. It's the season's a length of a pregnancy. <laughs> you with these same dudes like every day. You play every single day. Grind it. I mean, people don't understand. People look at baseball and say it's boring. It's not exciting. They're not athletic. Like that's, that's, good, man. that's the most grinded out sport out of all of them. And it's an everyday grind. Like you don't get any rest hardly. And imagine, you know. bro. Uh, not not now. Not what we know now and what we see now. Imagine baseball back in the seventies, bro. When you're on a you're on a uh, a nine game. I'm I'm in Milwaukee. I'm in uh, Chicago, uh, and then I'm in uh, New York for nine for for nine games, and those nine games could span a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, and you're just in these hotels, uh, on these buses or on these commercial flights, where you catching planes with regular people, so you got the same regular mechanical delays, and all, you know what I mean. Like, can you imagine that grind all the time, bro? Right. That it now that is why I care or not care, but that's why I have so much respect for guys like Dusty who played back in that time, uh, Mike Hargrove, and those guys who played back in that time. Um, these guys saw stuff that you probably wouldn't even believe, and it isn't even like now where you could call DoorDash and get some decent food. You mess around and call somebody thinking they looking out for you, and then you end up with the flu game. Uh, like Mike in Utah, because he got bad pizza. Because these cats right. are coming after you. It ain't the same. Like it's totally different now. And I ain't saying these guys got it got a cush job because it's still 162 games. It's still a grind. You're still not around your family as much as you would like to. And when you're really good, like uh Boston generally is, or like the Astros have been for the last six or seven years. You're going deep in the bro. 162 games plus the divisional round plus the damn uh, NLCS or the LCSs rather, and then the World Series like three, four, five years in a row. Right. That's a lot of freaking. As as you pointed out, bro. The grind, the the day to day grind. I don't even know how you stay focused for this. 
Yeah. I've been so unfocused at this point. You know, well, that's probably why, you know, back in the in the 70s and 80s, they were popping so many pills. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's probably doing uppers and all that type. Matter of fact, I know they were. I'm sure. To stay focused. That's because that's that's a that's a, a a tough grind, man. So anyway, congratulations to the cheap mass Astros. One of my cousins <laughs> uh, is a huge is a, is a huge Astros fan. So Adam, if you're listening to this podcast or when you listen to this podcast, I am not about to text you congratulations. So you're gonna get your congratulations to this damn podcast. Okay, you're not right gonna say that to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Because my team uh, sucks, that's so hilarious. I'm being I'm being a hater right now. <laughs> that's hilarious. But uh, all right, let's get back to the Browns real quick, uh, so we can wrap. Um, you know what? I thought about this at the game. <clears throat> my my last point, as I mentioned, the quarterback, and at the time last week, the quarterback was Baker. Excuse me, I mentioned Kevin Stefanski. But I also mentioned the defense slash uh, Joe Wood. So defense played pretty good last night. They weren't, again, it was not perfection. But they played well enough to get past this team. Um, They made some pretty impressive stops at at times uh, in the game. But I, I honestly saw this in the game as it was happening, and I said to myself, Sean is spot freaking on. We played the game that you would think we would play against a team that we thought we were better than. And it looked like he called a different game than he had been calling against the Chargers. It looked like he called a different game than he had called against the Cardinals. It looked a little more aggressive yesterday than it did in those other two weeks. Now, is that more aggressive because we weren't aggressive enough in those games and now we need to start being more aggressive? Or was it more aggressive because you didn't feel the threat uh, on yeah, the back side? You know he, didn't feel, he didn't feel a threat. And, and that's, that's why, and that's the problem. And that's what I felt watching the game. Like I, I'm watching the game live and, li- and living color on, you know, in person. And I just felt like you don't ever see like single safety high because you send a safety into into the box. Not against the Chargers. Not against, you know what I mean? I didn't see that against the Chargers. But now you got a you got a safety, you know, nine yards off the ball. A single safety, nine yards off the ball. Where what defensive scheme is this? And again, I'm not trying to bring negativity in it, but I saw it and I said, yeah, yeah, this observation. I was like, that's weird because we don't do that on a regular basis. And yeah, we we made those plays, but my thought is we could probably always make those plays if we did that. One thing, one thing too, looking at Bridgewater, Bridgewater is is beat up. And speaking of Bridgewater, how bad is Drew Locke? If if you can't get, because Bridgewater was not healthy, and really, I don't know if you've ever had a quad injury before. I don't know if you've ever had a hamstring. I've had both, and I'm here to tell you what: 
if I had a, if I had a quad injury on Sunday, especially the way I'm built right this moment, if I had a hamstring injury on Sunday, I'm I'm not even riding a bike on Thursday. I don't want to go downstairs on Thursday. If I had a quad injury on Sunday, I don't want to do those same exact things on Thursday. This dude is out there with a quad injury, and he was questionable all the way up until the game. Yeah, I think he had a foot injury, too. He had two. He had a quad and, and the foot. You can tell by the way he was walking. He was he was almost limping. He was trying not to show that he had a limp. And I was like, oh, this dude. So so therefore he can't he can't get any 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 um any zip, you know, on his passes. And that's why Joe Woods coached the way he did. Like you know he wanted a deep threat. And that's why you notice in the second half, um Denver adjusted. So when you talk, they started doing, they started going a little bit shorter um, and hitting the flats. They're just hitting guy in the flats. Boom, 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 boom. boom and kind of methodically going down, down the field instead of, you know, cause you know, he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't push that ball down the field. Not, not on a consistent basis. He had a couple of throws to uh Cortland Sutton, you know, downfield. But other than that, most of this stuff, stuff was short. So, right. So I hope, you know, Joe Woods, when we got Pittsburgh coming in town, man, be aggressive still. Like, to, to me, the, the, this is my theory on playing defense. Now, you can't sit there and be aggressive every single play. You can't sit there and bring blitzes every play and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you have to be a little bit conservative and mix it up. But my thing is, if you play soft coverage all game because you're scared of, you know, getting beat deep, from, from my observations of how much football I've watched, you still end up getting beat deep. Now, last year what the Browns were good at, and the only thing they were good at on defense, they would play soft. Then when they get down into the red zone, they had a habit of stiffening up somehow and playing decent red zone defense. Um, didn't get beat like over the top, like a whole, whole, whole lot. Um, but this year, when they're playing soft, they're not communicating well. The safeties in the corners handing off the receivers at the wrong time, and they're giving up huge, huge like chunk plays and getting beat deep. So my thing is, if you're gonna play, you might as well just be aggressive with it then, because you're getting beat either way. So you might as well try to force the offensive hand and see if you can create some, you know, some havoc or something like that and create a turnover. Um, so I tell you what, if they go out and they play soft against Ben Roethlisberger, even though um, he's not the same guy, he's still savvy, he's still a veteran. And he's starting to gain some momentum a little bit over these last couple of games. And you know they want revenge. That's another thing, too. They're coming in. They want revenge. Oh, hell yeah. Um, big time. So if you don't come in, if you don't come in that game being aggressive on defense, you know, big man can still pick you apart. So just a memo to Joe Woods. It ain't like he's listening, but dude, like I want to see, I want to see that same consistent, aggressive play. And I'm going to tell you somebody else who's really surprised me this year um, is Clowney. Clowney is doing, making a much, much, much bigger impact 
then I gave him, then I, then I thought he would have gave him credit for doing it. He's been very disruptive. I don't know if you remember our, like our pre-season uh, uh, discussions of guys that we thought uh, the expectations or whatever we have for guys. And you did mention Clowney. Clowney was one of your guys that you thought expectation-wise he had Right. So, and you know, your your bigger question was, could he be healthy enough? You know, et cetera, et cetera. I think you were. I don't know that you, but I don't want to. I don't want to equate it this way, but I kind of have to. I think you were like, you know, I he, can he make an impact basically before he gets hurt and not be around. And, yeah, and, and my thing was he didn't have to go on here and get 15 sacks. I was like, man, no, if Clowney no, no, gives us on the season, gives us about eight, nine sacks, but he's disruptive. I'm cool with that, and that's what he's doing. Like and he's, he's been, been very disruptive. disruptive, and he's actually played that that run game. Uh, yes, a guy that they said he could be, and then he's shown himself to be at certain times. Like mm -hmm. he, he blew up like two or three plays yesterday by himself. Right. All by himself. So, uh, you know, the stuff that, and this is what I meant when I said last week, we have the horses. Defensively, we have the guys that can do all of these things uh, to make this defense work. Look at them gloves. Look at Dusty's gloves. I do. <laughs> <laughs> however, <laughs> however, <laughs> Clowney can do, you know, not just Clowney, but the whole defense. We have the individual people that can make a difference. It's about the scheme. This scheme stinks. And I hope to see the more aggressive scheme that we've seen uh, this week. And we've seen seen against Chicago, and that we've seen against uh, Minnesota, so that we can, you know, start to really right just impose your will on defense the same way we yeah. impose our will on offense. Yeah, man. Impose your will on defense too. Yeah, man. Because yeah. you know, even when we go up against the Baltimore's now, man, still like the way they play like whether whether you're aggressive or not they're gonna get off they're gonna they're gonna do some things they're gonna get some chunk plays so i really love you to be aggressive and try to disrupt it maybe create a turnover something yeah, like, instead of I mean, just laying back and just letting them do do whatever they want to do put some you know? heat on on the qb i don't care who the qb is make the qb have to make decisions that he don't really want to make and listen i understand that lamar is, is very equipped for that stuff uh to make quick decisions but my thought process is i agree with you if you if you start touching this guy up once or twice every time he throws every time he drops back he's got somebody in his face he's got somebody knocking him down not illegally or not trying to hurt the guy but just trying to do what defenses do to quarterbacks which and sometimes is, it's, it's, it's just about attrition so yeah. like like in the first half you know he's you know he's escaping. He's getting a few yards on the ground, but after a while, you be trying to be like, damn, like these dudes still coming. You know what I'm saying? They still coming. That's it. Yeah, you know, and maybe you just wear you gotta down. Maybe wear that. down mentally, if not physically. You know, and you gotta have that. But we gotta be capable of pulling that off. And I, you know, we haven't shown 
a consistency in that. So maybe they got some some aces up their sleeve that they are not showing us right now. But uh, we'll we'll find out real soon because we're getting ready to get into. For me, this is the meat and potatoes of the of the, of the situation of uh, of the season. It's us going into uh, divisional play. That's the meat yeah. and potatoes to me. It's the like you got three games. You got two divisional games and three conference games. Period. So you got because you got New England after that. So. To me, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you got to win two out of two out of three of these. And Mac Jones is starting to get some momentum, so that offense is starting yeah. to look better and better each week. Um, I think we can still beat them, but they're starting the, to. The Browns can beat any team in the league. That's they the can. thing. The Browns, if, the Browns win when 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 fully healthy. Yeah, hundred percent versus hundred percent. Hundred percent, we can beat any team in the NFL. Period. It's, it's a mentality thing. It's a coaching thing. And I think once we get out of our own way, it's us versus everybody else. Like, real, for real. Like, that's real, real talk. It's us versus everybody else, and we can get out of our own way. Right. Well, let's go ahead and give out our, our game balls, my man. Absolutely. Uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, my first game ball actually goes to the head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Again, you know, being – uh, steadfast and what we know we do best being uh, aware, being a little bit flexible this week and understanding that you kind of jacked up last week. So now you just uh, stick to your game plans. Uh, again, his, his, his uh, scripted plays were absolutely, they were phenomenal. Like we just bang, 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 bang down the field, scored. That's what we have to do. We got to do that. We got to put the pressure on the other team and take the pressure off us, especially when we're injured like this. We have to just build confidence mentally. And I, he, I think he did that. Uh, my second game ball goes to uh, Dearness Johnson. What a freaking, uh, I agree with you. I, there was no way that I saw this dude getting 140 plus yards. Uh, there was no way I saw that. If you would have told me the Browns are going to have, you know, at least 140 plus yards, I'd be like, oh, that's dope. So that means, you know, one of them guys got 80 yards, the other guy got 60 yards. Mm-hmm. I never thought that it would have come from, you know, from one from one body. Uh, not to say that this dude is incapable, but I just didn't think it would come from one body in this situation without the offensive line being set up a certain kind of way. So uh, shout out to and game ball to Dearness Johnson for just being ready. Again, next man up is a cliche, but that dude was ready to play. He was the next man up and he he balled out. So that's my second game ball. And my third one goes to the offensive line. Night and day from last week or last, uh, you know, three days ago against uh, Arizona. Night and freaking day. But some of that, again, goes, that's why I gave Stefanski that game ball. Some of that goes to how he designed those plays and how he uh, prefaced where our importance needed to be with some uh, screens that mimic runs and all that kind of stuff. But the offensive line had to go out there and execute, and they went out there and executed. So those are my three game balls. 
Yep. And my three game balls go to the exact same thing, exact same people. So no need to, you know, rehash everything all over again because you literally made the exact same points that I was going to make um, when I gave all my game balls. So congratulations to the Browns. We still got work to do, man. A lot of work to do, but at least that gives us a little bit of breathing room. Let's get a little bit healthier. Let's get, let's get the game plan together because this Pittsburgh game is a big game. Um, I'm telling you, they're coming in wanting revenge. So the Browns have a tendency at times not to match intensity. They think everything's sweet. And the other team comes in and just punches us in the mouth. And by the time we realize we're in a dogfight, it's too late. So yep. this is where the coaching staff comes in. You know, and, and, and Stefanski did mention that in his victory speech. He did. was like, look, like, like we got Pittsburgh coming in here. You hear the, the little roar, you know, in the locker room. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know. So hopefully they know what's at stake now. They coming and in hot. Yeah, they coming in hot. Coming in hot. This divisional game is a rivalry game. Um, and they know that they ain't, no ain't no time to rest right now. Pittsburgh cannot lose this game. Like, to them, they can't lose this game. That'll be three straight losses to us. Mike Tomlin is a good enough coach. He's put the bug in their ear, not about the three losses to us, but about the two losses to us at the end of last season. Even right. though he set, up, he set up the first loss by not starting his guys. But he ain't going to He going to keep playing it like, man, they beat us twice in a row. And then came in our house and embarrassed us. So we have to, as Sean said, we need to get prepared. We need to take these 10 days to get ourselves together. And I believe Pittsburgh's on a bye week this week. They are. Yep, they so they're coming off a bye, which makes that even better for us that we're getting, you know, that 10 days rest. So it's almost kind of kind of equal um, so in that aspect. You know, guys, I don't, you know, they didn't they didn't give us the full, uh, you know, what happened with some of these guys. Like Denzel had a hamstring. He had his MRI today. Uh, I know DPJ had a hamstring, or I don't know what was wrong with him. I just noticed that he wasn't hamstring. Yeah, the hamstring. Was it hamstring? a hamstring? Okay, yep. okay. Uh, I just noticed he wasn't in the game. I was just like, damn, where he go? Like, is he out there? So he got his MRI today, so we'll find out the extent of that probably at some point tomorrow. Odell got hurt again. Odell, sir, I need you to catch some bad sides. I'm mention this. I need you to catch some damn balls, bro. So you got two different quarterbacks throwing you passes that you can catch and you keep dropping them. Got to stay ready, homie. He pressing too. I think he's pressing. I was just getting ready to say that. I think he's trying too hard. But I think the fans kind of gave him a little bit of love. Like, bro, you ain't got to try hard. Just catch it. Just catch it. And I'm glad the fans are giving him some love because I think finally they're understanding how much we actually do need him. Everybody's like, we don't need him. We don't like, yes, you do. Uh, for yes, one thing, too. Uh, real quick, the, the Browns aren't you know, offensively. They're not getting the ball outside a lot at all. No, I mean at all. Like I haven't since um, Baker has taken over at the helm since what 2018. I've never seen this much lack of production to our wide receivers. We've become a tight end focused, yeah. super pedestrian green pass. Offense, which is work. I mean, they're getting yardage and they're scoring and getting the ball downfield. But at some point in time, well, you have to get the ball outside. 
let me tell you something. And this is what we saw clear as day yesterday, er, especially early in the game. Oh, Odell was getting double teamed. He had a safety yeah. over the top, and he had the cornerback underneath. Like they were just boxing him in everywhere he went. It, 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 literally, I'd say the first half, excuse me, the first quarter into the second quarter before they started releasing him on a, on a single because we started running well. So now you started releasing him. And that's when I saw Case try to throw that touchdown that uh, was like a flutter to that dude. Um, so he's, you do need him because you do need to occupy those people because if you got two people over there, you can get passes off to other people, but Right. And then um, also, too, um, teams are going to put a lot of guys in a box, especially right. especially if we got if Case has to start another few games. They're like, yeah, all right, Case, you're going you to have to beat us downfield. They're going to force Case to go to force him. Yeah. And uh, Landry, Landry kind of limped off at one point. I was like, oh, my God. How he limped off, I was like, man. Yeah, they said he was okay. If that dude hurt again after just coming back, I'm gonna right. kill everybody on this team. <laughs> so, uh, it was good. Supposedly to see, he's uh, okay. Yeah, it, it was good to see. I'm sure he's gonna be a little sore, but again, uh, being able to have ten days off and, and kind of rest and not have any practice, I think everybody should be okay. I hope everybody will be okay, and I hope some of the guys that weren't able to play on Thursday uh, are able to at least start practicing uh, beginning of next week. Well, I think I think practice days are Monday. Have walkthroughs and film is Tuesday, and then uh, Wednesday and Thursday is when they start to kind of you know go through whatever the game plan is. Yeah. So, and the- and look, and referees start calling some holding penalties against Miles Garrett, please. At least one or two a game. That dude gets held every play. At least call one or two a game, man. I mean, you, you like it's so good because you call one or two a game. He's starting to get. He's starting to get the the Shaq treatment. You know how Shaq used to, uh, right. you know, get get killed, but no, they wouldn't call a foul because you're so much bigger and better than everybody else. Right. It's it's very similar with. With Miles, like Miles is becoming, like they look at him differently. He's such a freak. Like, oh, I, I thought you could have got around that. That's not that's not your job to decide if I can get around. <laughs> you supposed to throw a flag when you see somebody got me and pulling me to the end time, bro. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, they be having dude by the neck pulling his jersey. Up. They don't call nothing. They don't call anything. Absolutely nothing. They don't call anything, bro, and it's and it's atrocious. And anybody who says to me, uh, like one of one of one of our uh, radio uh, talk shows, sports talk, supposed sports talk folks, oh, I'm I'm sick of people complaining about the referees. Well, what are they out there for? If they're not a part of the game, what are they out there for? They're out there to to regulate the game, correct? Okay. And whether they call bad calls, either way, if they're not calling bad calls all game the same way, it matters. If I get a first down and you call a phantom call, you mean I shouldn't get upset about that? 
And then you don't call this the same call on the other side. Yeah, that's BS to me as a guy that used to play uh, sports. Uh, I always confronted referees about that kind of stuff. Don't let this dude slap the crap out of me. But when I go down there and touch him on his hip, you blow your whistle. I need you to be consistent. And that does help how you play. So it does affect the game. I'm not saying that we lose games because of them. I'm saying that your bad calls do affect the game, period. So uh, that's it for me, man. I ain't going to rant. I ain't going to go too far. But, uh, again, shout-outs and kudos to the Browns, uh, all 53 guys, even if they didn't play. I think all these guys being on the sideline and all these guys kind of pushing and pumping because I saw Baker, you know, uh, rooting and cheering uh, for the team. That all matters, especially in tough games like this, and especially going forward uh, as we're getting into, uh, like I like to call the meat and potatoes of the season uh, against the divisional uh, rivals. And and, and real quick, too, I want to give a shout-out to David Njoku. Um, The reason why I want to give him a quick shout-out is because you know he wants to be more of a focal point in in the offense. But all this guy does every week, and and this is probably his last year here, but all this guy does every week is go out and do whatever they ask of him. Whether if he has to block all game, he blocks all game. Yeah. If he has to make a couple of catch, you know, yeah. uh, uh, big catches, he'll make some big catches when you need it. So, because I know a lot of times we always denigrate athletes and say, "Hey, they're 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 selfish and all about me, guys and stuff." Especially when they've been vocal. He was vocal last year about some stuff about wanting to get traded and stuff like that. And yeah. this guy comes out. And he fights for his teammates every day. Every I know it's that yesterday, man. Let's do was out there blocking his ass off. Yeah, every game and yeah. all game. And they said yeah. he wasn't a good blocker coming out of college. Yeah. But guess what? All he does and all he's been trying to do, is, as Sean pointed out, is be a good teammate and start doing things that you claim I can't do. Right. And you can't do that. So hopefully we utilize that to something good so that we can – you know, uh, build on him. And I, I like to see David around, but we'll see how that works out. Um, exactly. I know that was kind of random, but I just wanted to to, to throw that out there, man, because I've been noticing that the past couple of weeks, even last season. Like, this guy's been a, a stellar teammate, and he kind of stopped mouthing off, and he does, like, a lot of little yeah, things. And he threw that trade off the table, too, which I thought was like, damn, that was out of nowhere. Like, he didn't want to get traded after a certain period of time last year. Like, no, yeah. I'm good. Just take it off, take a trade off the table. I'm good. So that, you know, all that is important uh, in terms of building the chemistry amongst the team and the teammates. Um, and, and that's and that's fine by me. I'd like to see that guy back next year if I, if I had anything to say about it. But oh, uh, yeah. it's all good. Bro, thank you for uh, being here. I know I don't have to thank you. I know you're going to say that. But thank you for being here. Um, I appreciate your time. I'm glad we were able to make time to, to bust this show out. As everybody found out, we had technical difficulties yesterday because I was being a cheapskate and then one <laughs> having trouble getting home <laughs> from the game. So we couldn't record right after the right. game last night. Uh, you know, Sean's like, I mean, we recorded that. I'm like, bro, just <laughs> as I'm 
just getting onto my scooter, bro. We'll just do it tomorrow. <laughs> right. Right. Because I had no idea you were going to the game. So I thought. I, I didn't either, uh, to be completely yeah, I thought you were going to be ready to go right after the game. But it doesn't matter. Neither here nor there. We got the show in. That's all that matters. So make sure you guys uh, check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, um, Apple Podcasts, all streaming platforms. Two guys on the mic, two on six on Instagram, two guys on the mic, two on six on Facebook uh, and YouTube. Same thing, same handle on YouTube as well. So we're going to bid you guys adieu and we'll um, sometime next week. You know, we'll see you guys again during our midweek show. So just stay tuned. All right, John. Peace. All right, man. Peace out. Appreciate y'all. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. You've just listened to Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts, Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Tune in to us later on this week as our midweek podcast will be streaming. Until then, peace.